Hello, Feisties. I'm Sarah Gross, CEO and founder of Feisty Media. And I'm here to tell you that our foundational strength training course, Strong, is on sale now through April 10th. If you're like me, you probably get a lot of crap in your Instagram or Facebook feed telling you how you should look or how you will feel if you look a certain way. As summer approaches, this only gets worse. We are told we should have a quote unquote summer body as if our bodies somehow morph into something completely different just because the weather changes. And frankly, over here at Feisty Media, we are totally sick of it. Because at Feisty, our vision is to build an empowering culture for active women. We want to shift our attention away from what our bodies look like and focus instead on what our bodies can do especially during the summer months when having the physical strength to do the activities we love is so important. The Strong Course is designed to take any woman, regardless of your starting point, through everything you need to know to level up your strength training journey. It includes a 16-week program to help you progress from wherever you are to lifting heavy or heavy-ish with dumbbells or a barbell. It also includes modules on the physiology of strength training for women, nutrition, how we keep ourselves injury-free, and more. I want every woman to be able to do the things that bring her joy and be strong enough to do them for life. Enrollment in this course is now open and you can sign up and learn more at womensperformance.com forward slash strong or check the show notes of this episode for the link. And for those of you who are among the 800 women who have already taken the Strong Course with one of our previous cohorts, congratulations on taking the plunge. And to the rest of you, see you in the course in April. Make this summer your strongest and best ever. Head over to womensperformance.com forward slash strong today. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. Hi, everybody. Catherine here, and I have a very special group of friends with me. Of course, Christy has been doing Unbound Gravel all weekend and has been working nonstop. So I have pulled in my Atlanta crew to help me introduce this podcast. So I have with me Claire, Saskia, Libby, and I was doing media coverage all day yesterday, but they all raced the 100 mile race. And um, you may have seen on Instagram if you follow, there were some really crazy conditions. I was not on the course, so I'm going to let them tell you a little bit about what yesterday was like if you were out riding the course. Um, it was a little <laughs> bit muddy. But, but to find, where did the mud start, Claire? The mud started very early this year, uh, around mile like a 10 to 11-ish, compared to last year when the mud was after the Madison checkpoint. Um, so I think that caused a lot of chaos for some folks. It was also much longer than last year's. Um, I got through it pretty unscathed. Um, can't say the same for a lot of other people. My bike came through unscathed, but I, I have a number of bruises in various places from hiking, lifting, throwing my bike, screaming at mud, 
all the good things. Libby, you have like a bruised shoulder. I do. Um, this is Libby, and from carrying my bike uh, for the three miles because I have very little clearance for my tires, I have matching shoulder pads, which are hematomas <laughs> on my shoulders now. How much? So you said you walked about three miles. How much do you think you walked? What's Saskia? The same three miles. The same three miles. Yeah, about the same. I had a pretty good strategy, though, of um, thanks to the folks at Grounded Nebraska gave us some spatulas. So I walked with one hand on the stem, and my bike tires kind of angled into the grass, and the other hand was holding the spatula right behind the fork and just scraping the mud as we went. (laughs) So it worked out pretty well. My technique included lifting the bike, so I was rolling on just the back wheel, so only one wheel would get gunked up. And there's more clearance in the back there anyway. And truly shout out to Susan with Grounded because <laughs> the spatulas were clutch for us. <laughs> that, that saved my day. Yeah, I it would saved have been my totally day. screwed. Yeah, because my little uh, silicone spatula was not up to snuff for that mud. Yeah. What was the energy like on the course? People mad? They just going with it? Were they excited? What, yeah, what was it like? All of the above. <laughs> I actually felt like compared to last year, it seemed like people were much, I think because people weren't as fatigued by that point and it was so early, I found that people were actually not as grumpy about it. Um, Everybody seemed like pretty polite helping everybody through, but, um, but that could have also just been who I was around at the time. I felt the same. Everybody was like it was a team. We're like, we're all in this, and we yeah. got to get through this to even do La- what we want to do. I felt like last year was every man for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I missed the fun last year because I got through the mud section before the rain, so it was still rideable, which yeah. is why everyone hates me. <laughs> the mud section was quite late last year because the ra- of when the rain came in. Um, mm-hmm. And then rain came in uh, the, the day before, late afternoon. It didn't have any time to dry overnight and everybody hit it and you all weren't doing the hundreds so you hit it after all the 200 milers had already gone through and torn it up a good bit yes. already yes <laughs> definitely mm-hmm. um and then finish times were quite slow this year uh i know yes. all of you were looking to break your times from last year and did not because of the course conditions uh and there was a huge dnf rate out on the course this year uh we saw 18 elite women dnf'd due to mechanical issues, hydration, food issues, all kinds of issues out there. Uh, How were people handling that out in the course? Um, People were cracked everywhere very early and often it seemed. Yeah, the the three mile hike through the mud definitely took it out of a lot of people. Certainly took it out of me. Um, There was a lot of self-talk to push through and just finish after that. but yeah, I can certainly imagine that having done that slog, you then finally get to a point where you can kind of go, I'm done, to then be done. Yes, we passed a couple of um, people, this one lady in particular, go, uh, going up the big steep climb to the cow pens, and she just pulled over and started to cry. And we were like, you can do this, you can do hard things, you just need to eat. And then we saw her at the water stop and she had gotten herself back together and thanked us for, you know, helping her through that, that moment. But, yeah, there were lots of people that were cracked. I think compared to last year, too, last year was muddy, but it was cool. And this year you went through all the mud and then all the climbing and then just exposed heat for miles and miles into a headwind. And I think that that whole combination just, like, did a lot of people in. Yeah. yeah. Agree. As well as the loss of derailers. 
Yeah, yes. there were a lot. Derailers are important. Yeah, we know Paige Onweller uh, pulled out very early on because she had a broken derailleur. She was out by mile 19. She was targeting this race. And then both Heather Jackson and Anna Yamauchi, I know, rode about 70 miles single speed because their derailleurs stopped working in that first section until they could get to some assistance. So it was derailleur carnage. Okay, we're really selling this race. <laughs> <laughs> I would do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Would you, would y'all, Saskia's like, hell no. <laughs> I would always do Unbound, but yeah. I can't speak for others. I might, I might, I might <clears throat> reconsider my tire choice if there's a chance of mud like this and go for something skinnier so I've got more clearance. Because there were sections where it's like, mm, with skinnier tires, I could have ridden even just a little bit more, uh, which would have made it oh. a little easier. Yeah, I, you know, it's the day after. If you'd asked me on the finish line after the thunderstorm um, in the tornado watch that we rode through, uh, I would have probably said no, or maybe just do the 50. But yeah, I'll, I'll come back most definitely. Emporia has a place in my heart. Yeah, and there was a lot of fun activations and energy the few days leading up to the event. It's not just the event, it's the community. It's all the fun things that you get to do around the event as well that I think make this, this special. And how much this town loves this race and embraces people when they come here well yeah, all the locals along the yeah. route that were out like cheering us on in the middle of the rain handing out water like cheering for us um just on the yeah. side of the road with their kids and you know offering up anything any assistance that they could so yeah this, this town is great there was someone around mile like 70 something maybe just a guy on the side of the road with a pickup truck and a cooler of ice and coors lights <laughs> and squirts and that squirt saved me that was the best thing i've ever had in my life <laughs> that's amazing um well the other cool thing about this race it was the first time that they've done an elite women's only start in the 200 uh so the women started uh the men started 10 minutes before the mass start the women started two minutes after the men and uh, i was i got to be at the start line for that with the media and it was really cool because there were several female journalists that were out there um, and then Christy was out there and just some tears happening to see, um, one, a very large and strong women's field. The other funny thing that the, um, I met one of the guys from Wahoo and he said he had been at the front of the men's race or the, in front of the men's corral. And he was like, it's dead silent there. Like nobody's talking. Everybody's just checking their tire pressure. And he went back to the women's and everybody was chatting and laughing and like, you know, encouraging each other. So the, the very different vibe when you have like a women's only corral at the start um, was really fun too. Um, it was a crazy day for the women's race um, with a big shakeup. We saw a newcomer to gravel, Caroline Schiff, uh, who is German, win the race. Do y'all do know anything about her? I know nothing about her except now that she rides for Canyon, which is what I ride. So there you go. You're you going to be just as me. As her. <laughs> yeah. The Europeans are coming. The yeah. Europeans are coming. Yeah. Um, so that was really fun to see and somebody new on the scene. Um, I think she was Allie Tetrick's dark mare that won the race. And, um, and then, you know, just the, the, the folks coming in all through the night. Um, we didn't make it to the very end of the finish cause we were all tired, but it was cool to hear the stories this morning of folks coming in late at night. So yeah, kudos to them. Yeah, absolutely. That was a long day. Yeah. So what do y'all do to recover after an event like this? I'm um, going to go have a big burger for brunch in a second here. Nice. 
<laughs> as far as I've gotten. Second to that one and my magical foam roller and compression boots. I can't really add anything to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the perfect recovery. Yes. We're going to get the recovery burger. Yes. The recovery burger. Actually, I didn't even race, but I'm starving <laughs> from standing around all day. Oh, the other thing I was going to mention is the craziness of the weather. And Libby, you ended up getting caught coming in in this, and it was right when the elite women were finishing. The skies opened. It was they were actually in the finish shoot saying um, there are places that you can take shelter from this. <laughs> um, and it was you know as Kristen Legan was finishing the 350, winning that, and the elite women were coming in for their finish. Just the craziest storm opened up. It was. It it started. I came. I was like the last 12 miles, came down the famous murder bridge, and the skies opened up. And I didn't get any hail, but I think you all had hail in town, but there was lightning and thunder, and there was so much water. Like, there were literally, like, currents of, that, like, was pushing me with the water from, like, one side of the road to the other when I was crossing it with the low, low area. Um, But I found two nice guys that were from Miami, and we made it through and uh, finished together at the finish line. But, yeah, it was... um, it was kind of epic. I was running from that monster all, all from Madison on, and it finally it got, got me. You. It yeah, got you. It got yeah. me. So uh, because of that, and because I lost a piece of my microphone in the chaos of the storm, uh, we do not have any elite women from the 200 finish line interviews, but uh, I grabbed some of their footage. I'll be putting it out on Instagram um, from when Leah Davison did their finish line interviews. We have a couple of interviews from the 100 women. I've got uh, Tiffany Cromwell who won the 100 and then Laura King, who is always a favorite. And then a bunch of interviews from uh, the expo when we were wandering around. So this is our recap show. I'll find Christy eventually and we'll get back together for a podcast, but thanks for joining us. And thank y'all for joining me for the intro. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Always love it. One of the most frustrating things about going to big gravel races in the last few years is I have been getting sick pretty much every time I travel. And I travel about once a month for work or to a big gravel event or something related. And it's so frustrating when I get there and I can already feel the sore throat and the cold coming on. And it really takes me out for several weeks. And that's why I'm excited about our new podcast sponsor, Prevenex. We've worked with Prevenex within our Feisty Brands for a long time. If you listen to Hit Play Not Pause, you've heard about joint support. Um, You've also heard about their great protein powder. But I am really obsessed with this product called Immune Health Plus. It has helped me go from getting sick every time I travel to I've not been sick one time this year. And, And I've also been on the road a good bit already this year. So it has everything that you need for immune health support, and it's way better than anything you're going to find in a grocery store or health food store. It's supercharged with immune-boosting ingredients like elderberry fruit, extract, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, and calcium. Now, if you want to stay healthy through your race season this year, you're going to use the code GIRLSGONEGRAVEL for 15% off your first purchase of Immune Health Plus or any of their other products. That's Girls Gone Gravel for 15% off of your purchase, and you go to Prevanex.com. You can find that in the show notes. All right, friends, I'm in the expo. I've just turned into Rachel Wills, who is racing the 350 this afternoon, and you rode your bike here to race the 350. I did. From Bentonville, right? I did, yeah. How was that journey? It was the most fun I've had on a bike in a very, very long time. Um, the roads were perfect. The weather was perfect. It was just 
so much fun being in solitude for so long and just really enjoying every puddle stroke. So I had a really good time journey up here and I hope that that continues on today and tomorrow. Okay, well, you have a big year. You now live in Italy, which is a long way from Emporia. Uh, how has that move been? I know moving overseas can be really hard and feel isolating. Tell us what's been going on. Yeah, um, well, we lived on Whidbey Island in Washington, which is naturally isolating. <laughs> yeah, um, and then packing up your life and then doing Mid-South and then moving five days later with two cats was a little bit stressful, but shockingly it all worked out in the end. Um, we made it there. Um, I had a little bit of a stomach bug right when we got there. I got food poisoning terribly bad, which is never fun living in a foreign place and not having your own bed. Um, and then I went to Spain for 10 days and got to hang out with my teammates, which was really fun. Came back, did a couple of races and events, and then flew back. Took a military flight to Norfolk, Virginia. Cynthia, my teammate, picked me up. Wait, but I saw some hitchhiking on the army base. Uh, that was, I, I had to get off the base so she could pick me up because she doesn't have access. So I started walking to the exit and then someone picked me up. <laughs> I can appreciate that because I one time had to hitchhike to an army base in Italy. <laughs> you know, you got to do what you got to do. And if it's a, you know, a free, quote unquote, free flight, like, you know, my husband's been in for 16 years. So sure, that's the, the payment that we've made. But um, it was amazing to be able to just get here. Um, and so I've been here. I'll be here for five weeks. I go back next week. Um, I also saw something about you getting kidnapped by an Italian man. That was an interesting story. Um, I went to go look for coffee beans and found some and I had my bike parked outside and this old Italian man, I saw him ride by and then he came back and he basically didn't speak any English and he told me to follow him, but he looked trustworthy so I followed him. And he just was kept pointing at my bike and kind of motioning to the fact that he had a bike. So then I walked into this courtyard and he brought out his bike. He showed me his bike. He was very proud of it. Then he brought me into his house, showed me all of his trophies, which were extensive. I think this man has to be like maybe 75 or 80. And then he called all of his friends and we went on a group ride. No one spoke English. It was like this crazy, you know, flying through the streets of Naples. There's no rules of the road there. And I've never felt unsafe and cars really watch out for you, but still it's very trafficked and a lot of scooters and we were just flying through the streets and then all of a sudden it started downpouring and lightning and we stood under a bridge and it wasn't gonna let up and the roads were flooding and then he called his friend and picked me up in the tiniest car possible and I knew where I lived and I said Grishi Grano and then the guy brought me there and dropped me off at the base and I made it home. <laughs> That's amazing and sounds completely like an Italian adventure. It was an Italian adventure. I was like, wow, I just survived that. I'm, I'm really proud of myself, I guess, but thankful for this man. And then I gave him my phone number. So now he calls me all the time and I don't think he understands how to use Google Translate because I'm constantly texting him in Italian and he doesn't text me back and he tries to call me. I'm like, I, I still am not going to understand what you're it's saying. probably like your mom that doesn't really want to use text messages. Yes. Well, he's, he's 75. Like I'm shocked he's using WhatsApp. So... That's amazing. Okay, I know you got to go get ready, but just anything different, any mindset change that you're going into the Sears 350 with on your in your third year? Uh, I don't think anything different. Just embracing the journey like I usually try to do. Um, you know, really trying to enjoy every pedal stroke, whether it's pedaling or walking. I think a lot of the times I really dread hike a bike, but I know it's probably going to happen this year, so I'm going to really try to just forge forward with a positive attitude because... 
you have to have some attitude whether it's good or bad and so why not why not make it good um so yeah I, I think I think almost being 40 is changing my brain a little bit um less competitive more just really trying to embrace the time that I have and the time that I get to be able to ride my bike I mean it's amazing well thanks for taking a few minutes to chat with us and we'll look forward to seeing you at the finish line thank you so much see you there Okay, friends, I am in the expo, and I am at the Lifetime Grand Prix booth, and I have found three of the riders of the Lifetime Grand Prix. I'm with Starla Tedder-Green, Hannah Shell, and Bella, I don't know your last name. Heiser. Heiser. Bella Heiser. Okay. You were, as Seahawker, I was like, who is that girl? <laughs> um, so, uh, this is your first year racing the Grand Prix, and you're one of the, <laughs> you're one of the youngest riders, is that correct? Yes, I am 11 days beat by Ian uh, Lopez, so... And how old are you? I'm 19. Wow. And did you uh, did you always want to race your bike? Pretty much. I always wanted to race something, but bikes ended up being what I ended up racing. Yeah. Did you come up through NICA, through the gravel, the mountain bike scene? Yeah, Alabama NICA. I started in seventh grade. Oh, you're an Alabama girl. I sure am, yeah. Where from? Huntsville. Huntsville. I used to live in Atlanta, so it's like rings. We're about <laughs> right next door. <laughs> so, uh, well, how's it been being in the series so far? I know we're only two races in. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in. It's it's definitely nice to have ladies like like these two next to me helping me out and figure things out and be here for me when I forget to sign up for fan engagements. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You'll learn it all. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and then, what are you thinking about this race? Have you ever ridden 200 miles before? Never. Uh, in a couple of days, I've ridden 200 miles, but never all at once. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, um, it's really fun to see you out here and to see the young, fresh faces coming in. I'm curious for Hannah and Starla, because y'all are old pros. You've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> What's it like to see somebody like Bella and see like the younger generation coming up? It's really cool, and it's been so fun to watch Bella come in with the really strong mountain bike skills, and like she's actually helping some of us people that come from a road background with mountain biking because she's been she's so good on the technical stuff. Um, and then you know we can help her with all the logistics of trying to manage these races. So it's cool. Yeah, I mean it's super inspiring to see you know the younger riders um, like taking on like these races and events and just seeing. You know, like seeing them grow and it's not just about the racing, but it's about, like Hannah was saying, about the logistics and just managing like the time on and off the bike and just, yeah, trying to help help them manage that and keep their head on straight. And it's just, yeah, it's just so fun to see their excitement and it's super inspiring. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to let y'all go because you've got a line of little girls coming to get your cards signed and I do not want to interrupt that. <laughs> so good luck on the race this weekend. Awesome, thank you. To live your healthiest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. Inside Tracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. It provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live a longer, healthier life. Inside Tracker can also calculate your biological age which is the rate you're aging compared to your chronological age, as well as ways to lower your biological age. The thing we love most about Inside Tracker is that they give you recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health, like food, supplements, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. 
And did you know that you can use your HSA, HRA, and FSA to buy any Inside Tracker plan? Which means you can purchase Inside Tracker using your tax free dollars. Oh, and it gets better. For a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with the science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, visit insidetracker.com slash feisty. That's insidetracker.com slash feisty. Okay, I am in the expo and I am at the Maxi's factory racing tent and I found Haley Smith, which every race I've tried to find you and we just miss each other every time. So we finally did it. Yeah, it's, I don't know why, but these race venues seem to get really busy and you end up hopping around all over the place. So it's nice to be able to connect. You're also popular. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think, honestly, I think as a Canadian, I think I'm relatively unknown and I kind of slip under the radar, which suits me well most of the time. Do you think that's true after last year still? Yeah, I do actually. I think, um, like to be blunt I think if I was American and I had won the series I would have probably it would have been more high profile but um yeah that's just not the way it is but I'm happy at the way with the way it is so yeah what do you still live in Canada or do you live in America part of the time uh no I'm Canadian <laughs> yeah we live there <laughs> well I know a lot of Canadians train like in the U.S. in the winter because of the yeah we spend a lot of time in the states like every December January we're in um usually California Santa Cruz is where we like to go but so we spend a lot of time here. But. Well, you raced Belgium Waffle Ride at Victoria last weekend, which is where Feisty is headquartered out of Victoria. Oh, that. yeah, that's uh, is down there. So how was that race? Uh, but friends there were like, that was a tough course. Yeah, so I, I had spent, during my XCO career, when that was all I was racing, I used to live on Vancouver Island uh, all winter for eight years in a row. So I'm very familiar with those trails, and I love them. Um, so I knew what I was getting myself into, but if you hadn't ridden there before, or if you had never tried the off-riding, off-road riding, it would have been very overwhelming. Like the trails are tricky. Um, and the course was relentless, like 12,000 feet of climbing in, in whatever it was, uh, 220 K. I don't know what that is in miles, 130. Um, anyways, it was tough. Uh, do you treat that as a training ride and you just happened to win or were you there going for the win? Um, I think those are often the same thing. So I usually use racing to prep for my other, like my peak races, but I also would like to win every time I line up. And like, so I try to do that. Um, so yet last weekend was preparation for this event, but it was also an end in and of itself. So kind of both. Yeah. The weather's a little different here, eh? Honestly, it's not, well, we're not gonna, we didn't have thunderstorms in Vancouver or on Vancouver Island, but it, it was pretty hot. Um, but yeah, the rain here could be a major factor. How are you feeling going into Unbound this year? How, I don't know how to answer that. How does anyone answer that question? Like, I've done the training. I know I can handle it. But, like, who the heck knows? Like, how you can't predict how your body's going to respond to a 13-hour. I'm going in the outer edge of what I think the race will be if the weather's bad. But 11 to 13 hours, I have no clue. I, I know I'm ready as I can be, but who can really be ready for this kind of thing? And what do you think about the women's only start this year? I think it'll be it'll keep us safe for the first 45 minutes, but after that, I don't actually think it's going to. I don't think we will have a tactically different race 
overall because we will get caught by the men that are coming from behind us and we're going to also catch men who have suffered flats and whatever in the pro field in front of us so we will be intermixed um, and I think that will play a huge role in how the groups form within the race but I expect that we'll be able to get through the first 30k without being crashed into and piled up on and so that'll have a I think it'll just limit limit the carnage that happens in the first bit yeah yeah that's what everybody's kind of said and they're excited to see that and the media I, that I've talked to are excited to cover it just like being able to see a women's only start and get just women in the footage and not have the intermixed part of that as well um, okay my last question for you uh, I've been asking a lot of women this uh, is you know this past year has been a massive year for women in sport and cycling with the tour uh women in basketball every like all across the board what uh what are your hopes or what do you see for the future of women in cycling oh god um just a small little question yeah i don't have a question prepared for that i think or an answer prepared for that i would say that my hope is that it's it's normal like in the future it is normal and it's you see us out in equal numbers to what the men are out in um, and I, I hope that just the respect and the, um, the respect and the appreciation for what we do out there continues to grow as well, because I think people are very interested in women's cycling and it's engaging and dynamic, um, and it's exciting to be a part of. So what do I hope for in the future? Just that girls look at this and see this as a place that they belong and they pick it up. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for taking a few minutes and good luck on your race tomorrow. Thank you. All right, friends, I have tracked down Lauren DeCrescenzo. Found me. <laughs> I, I found, well, it wasn't hard because you were on a pro panel. Oh, yeah, I guess that was pretty easy to identify up there. <laughs> uh, so we are back at Unbound. You were in the Grand Prix this year. Uh, you've been working crazy on your mountain bike skills. How's that been going? <laughs> well, the amount of progress I've made in the last six months has been crazy. I mean, coming from where... Last, so I just did Sea Otter, and I don't think a year ago I would have been able to finish the race. And having just been able to complete it and be mid-pack was a win for me. So I've been yeah, working really, really hard on the mountain bike skills that you just don't really come that naturally. So yeah, just making huge progress. Well, and I also know it's scary because of your history with brain injury. And like that's been a big thing that you've had to overcome with this. Absolutely. I have like this internal dialogue always. It's like, don't crash again, Lauren. Don't crash again, Lauren. But, I mean, I've been able to, like, kind of make that voice a little bit quieter with, like, the crazy support from my team since they're, they're literally teaching me the fundamentals of mountain biking. We do boot camps all the time. They're like, all right, Lauren, this is how you mountain bike. So they've really been helping me with that. And just, like, on the mental side of things, just working through that. But, yeah, I'm trying to, like, face it head on, the fear head on, because I don't want it to hold me back anymore. I love that. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, even like going downhill on big gravel. That's a sense. And you did this primarily because you want to get better. You want to go for that rainbow stripes, right? And you found that you need those skills. Yeah, I had like a moment of revelation last year at the UCI World Championships when I just didn't have quite as good of bike handling skills as like the best, you know, the best in the world, the best mountain bikers, gravel cyclists, road cyclists in the world. And I felt as though doing the Lifetime Grand Prix and doing these mountain bike races and learning these skills would put me in a better position and I would improve so much uh, for the UCI World Championships of gravel at the end of this season. So... Okay, well, one of the questions I've been asking everybody has nothing to do with the races, but uh, Ooh, like you, uh, I, I'm just curious, you know, we've just had a massive year for women with the Tour de France Femmes, and even with, uh, we've seen with the NCAA basketball being sold out, um, women's soccer. So, you know, as you look at the landscape of women's sports, what's your hope for the future? 
I love the track that we're on right now, especially with the Lifetime Grand Prix having yeah, you know, equal equal prize purse, equal media coverage, equal distance that we're racing tomorrow. We have our own start for the first time ever at Unbound. We're going to have like a true women's race tomorrow, which yeah, all things that are really great for the sport. I don't feel like we're all the way. Um, we haven't closed all the gaps quite yet, but we're definitely like moving in the right direction. Com the companies are a very supportive factor, just <laughs> made me a custom uh, bike for this race. I can't wait to see it. I know, I know. And like typically, you know, the, they're very supportive of like, you know, the, the women, which I love uh, all these really great companies. Well, we will let you get out of the sun and relax for tomorrow. Thanks for taking a few minutes to chat. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Back to my bed. <laughs> All right, I am in the expo and I have found Rebecca Bro from Ride or Die Collective. How are you doing, Rebecca? I'm doing great. Good to see you. Uh, yeah, good to see you too. Uh, so you are racing the 100 miles tomorrow and in the elite field, and it's quite a field that's coming out for that race. Not going to lie, I haven't looked at the start list. <laughs> well, there's Tiffany Cromwell, Amanda Nauman. I had a feeling there'd be a couple, you know, their jerseys may say UCI uh, World Tour, but that's okay. That's okay. We'll do we'll do our best. Yeah. And you just told me that uh, you've never been as excited for a race. Yeah, I think for sure the 100 is something that suits me more, 100 miles. I've come here, I've tried to do the 200 a couple times, and this year I've given myself a bit of an ease, and we're going to race a really, really fast 100. Yeah, I the 100 is a very legit distance, and because there's the 200, I think people like kind of look down on it. But, I mean, any distance here is a legit distance for people to come ride, right? I agree. I think at RDC, we always catch people because people have a tendency to say, I'm just doing the 100, I'm just doing the 50. So, I mean, people are on their bike enjoying themselves, doing whatever they want. Uh, how are things going with RDC? Wild, but fantastic. We actually, I guess this, you'll be the first, this will be the first to know. We are starting RDC Arizona. Nice. In the Tucson area or? In the Phoenix area. So um, we'll have a race team and a collective team in the Phoenix area. And it's going to be run by a wonderful woman who actually works for Lifetime Foundation. And I'll share more on that soon. Awesome. So if people live in that area and they want to know more, they can just check out your social media yep. to get the announcement. Yep. Social media. And if you go to rideordie.org, we'll be sending out a newsletter to announce all the details and our fun community rides to come. Okay, and then one thing I've been asking most everybody I've talked to is we've had a massive year for women, not only in cycling with the tour, but across the board in sports. It seems like the level is really rising. What is your hope for the future of women in sport? I hope that it becomes, honestly, the norm, and I think it's becoming that for younger generation to be like, this is something I can make a living out of, and hopefully, you know, my generation is pushing the barriers to get money where it needs to be, and women have all the same necessities to race at the highest level. Yeah, I've actually heard that comment about, I hope that it just becomes normal <laughs> from a lot of people today. <laughs> yeah, we just want it to be normal rather than like, you know, oh my gosh, it's good seeing you out here, or, or like the, you're really fast, and it's like, fast for what, you know? So <laughs> I am, and I'm gonna kick your ass. Yeah, you're like, thank you, and goodbye now, on your left, yeah. Well, I will let you get out of the sun so you can relax a little bit for your race tomorrow, but thanks for taking a minute to chat with us. Awesome. Good luck to all the women out there. All right, folks. I am still in the expo, and I have run into Anna Yamauchi and her mom, uh, who ran off. Uh, but <laughs> your mom actually sent me an email after uh, Sea Otter and told me that she is indeed older than me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That's classic for my mom. <laughs>
Um, but she, you could tell she's a very proud mom and a big supporter of yours. Yes, I think she loves this almost as much as I do, so it's fun having her tag along. And it's not like I feel guilty because she enjoys it too. So uh, when we had you on the podcast, you said, I'm not going to unbounce. And then afterwards, you, you kind of like made, like the door was open. And then at Sea Otter, you said maybe, and then you uh, crashed out and had a concussion. And here we are in the Unbound Expo. So what was, was the Sea Otter the decision-making point, or you just couldn't miss this? Yeah, I think Sea Otter was the decision maker. And honestly, once I wrapped my head around it, like I did get so excited about being here. Um, school was the question, and all my professors made it work. So I'm glad I'm here. And you took a quiz this morning. I did, yes. <laughs> and do you have any other finals you have to take while you're here? So that was just a weekly quiz thing. Um, and I have finals when I get back. So I'll be tired, but it'll be nice because I won't have to train that hard and have time to do finals. So You need like uh, your material on tape that you could just listen to, or tape, <laughs> on, <laughs> on file that you could just listen to tomorrow as you ride. Exactly. I miss like those asynchronous classes where I could just put my headphones in and listen, but Oh, well, I'll be graduated soon. So now that you're experiencing the uh, Unbound Expo and all the things, is this what you expected or more or different? I think it's a little bit more than I expected, but it honestly is so cool just how much of a community there is here. And um, have you been out doing the course rides so far? Yeah, I've pre-ridden a little bit of the course, the start and finish, of course, and then actually found some spicy gravel sections. So I know what it's all about and I'm ready for tomorrow. Yeah, so this will be your longest gravel race, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> Do you have any strategy of how you're going to break down once you get past, what, what was your longest race before this? It was 120 miles. Okay, so from after you get past that 120, do you have any mental strategies or what you're going to do? Um, I think kind of just pedal my bike. I think at the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at the race that was 120, I, in the last couple miles, I was like, I could never do Unbound, and here I am. So I'll let you know after what went through my head. Well, there'll be a lot of people around you, and is your mom going to be doing the SAG support, or is she riding? She's supporting me, so that'll be nice. I'll get to see her twice on course. Well, thanks for taking a couple of minutes. We'll let you get all the sun and get some relaxing in before tomorrow. Thanks, and it was good chatting. All right, folks, I am post-lunch in the expo, and I have found Elizabeth Allen, Liz, but we've got to go for your mom, in case she's listening, with Elizabeth, uh, and you are at Unbound for the first time. Thoughts so far? It's, it's something, for sure. Um, you can feel the energy. It's super high. The stoke is high, and but I'm excited to, to be here. I mean, I've known about it for years, and it's something I wanted to be, so just super happy to be here and can't wait for tomorrow yeah you're doing the 50 miler tomorrow uh which is this is the first year that that's actually a race the juniors are going to be racing that for sure um do you think that's going to change the dynamic or you're like eh, i don't know i haven't been here before it's not going to change anything for me um i've kind of made my career if you want to call it that out of paying a race fee to ride my bike so honestly for me it's to go out ride my bike someplace different take as many pictures as possible because i'm going to be that person and have a great time and if folks want to race i think that's a great opportunity for them so i think it's broadening the scope because not everyone's going to be capable of doing a 100 or 200 mile race so i think turning into that is a good idea but also allows people that don't want to race to just ride their bike for 50 miles yeah i think so too i think um we've talked about this before but getting past the like i'm just doing the 50 or i'm just doing the 25 like anything you get out there and do is important and it matters to you and you just go out there and do the best you can 
Absolutely. I agree 100%. And I just finished uh, Crystal Kovacs' meeting of the 25 and the 50s, and you could tell it was a lot of folks that are just excited to be here and nervous. And I think that's great because it's going to get more people involved with gravel so it doesn't feel like something that feels like elitist because it's not. Yeah, and it's fun, like like you said, the energy of the expo, the energy of a big race, but in a small town, and being able to do that and not, if you don't have the time or the energy to do 200 or 100 miles, it's just really nice to be able to come out and, and be a part of it all and do a more manageable distance for you. Absolutely, I agree. And even the fact that, you know, the folks that are coming out and just being a support, and I've don't even mean just but being a support it's a long day out there yeah it is it's it's a long day you know and they're obviously worried about their folks because they may not know where they are at given points in time and you're you're hoping and you're cheering for them and you're making sure that they don't have any care of the world when you do come across them maybe at a stop or something so i really this it's kind of something for everybody and i would say even if you're not a bike rider just experiencing all this is worth it so again just super happy that i finally made the trek out here (laughs) yeah well it's not easy to get to from pennsylvania for sure Eh, you know could be harder but um you know it's that's what makes it worthwhile though and it's sometimes it's about the the journey and seeing where the bike's going to take you you were um at the movie premiere and right now the name of the film is escaping me sorry abby abby robbins the about the non-binary category last night what did you think of that film It was absolutely incredible. I mean, first off, as a film geek and somebody who has a journalism degree, it was filmed spectacularly, but I really enjoyed the stories and really following along. I thought they really hit the line of getting the information you needed without it going too far as a way of it feeling like, you know, you're pounding somebody over the head, but really humanizing the folks that they were highlighting. And, you know, you get done and you're like, I want to hang out with all three of them and be friends. Yeah, well, I don't know if you saw Apollo's bike it was neon pink and I definitely wanted to hang out with Apollo after that <laughs> oh yeah for sure I was yeah I, because I've known Abby I met them at the um Gone Graveling Festival last year but I haven't had a chance to meet the other two riders Apollo and KC so again I'm like I kind of want to get to know you yeah yeah and you're right that film it was very it was beautifully filmed and the story was told really well so I'm gonna put the name of it in the show notes because I can't remember it off the top of my head but there's been a lot going on so um but it, it was it's worth the watch it's about a 35 minute film that we got to see last night in the premiere yeah it was definitely yeah that's the other thing too it was just long enough that you got the story and the ending is not necessarily what you expect so no spoilers but it uh you know it's definitely worthwhile catch so i'm excited to see like where it's going to be out so i can show it to my friends when i get home well um are you gonna you're gonna stroll around the expo a little more and then watch the 300 the 350 start that is the plan i can't wait to see that yeah there's a lot of nerves on that starting line and it's it's pretty fun to see you know and um there's also the dog and pony show the media that's there like right in their faces so you'll get to see that as well yeah, no, I'm excited. I had some friends that were able to successfully do this, um, the XL last year. So, you know, it's it's interesting. It's one thing to see it from afar, but now to kind of see the start of it and then obviously see some of them finishing tomorrow, it's, you know, going to be a whole different experience and energy. It is really cool when they start to come across the finish line. Um, and even as coming in later into the night, you know, some of those folks are coming in closer to midnight and they started at three o'clock the day before and just the relief and I can't believe they're still upright when they cross the finish line oh yeah those are the MVPs because 
at the end of the day, and I know this is somebody who's always been a slower rider, is that you're just out there so much longer, and that is its own battle. So it's you're out there longer to chafe, you're out there longer in the sun, you have to make sure your lights are working because you're going to be there after dark. So it just changes so many dynamics that, you know, your fast folks, they have one type of challenge, but those folks in the back, that's a whole different thing. So it's like the accomplishments are different, but they're equally as important. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, you bring up a good point, you know, and you're talking about it's, we're, we're out here, it's hot. You're doing the 50, that race starts two hours after two or an hour and a half after it starts later. Yeah. So you really have to think about all the things that you're thinking about when you're doing a 200 mile distance or a hundred mile distance of your hydration, your fueling, um, because you can be just as miserable if you start to bonk at mile 30 as you are if you bonk at mile 180. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. There's, uh, it's just a matter of, you know, you're going to suffer, but at what point in the day do you suffer and do you suffer multiple times? Because there certainly is is that but it's like you might be thinking that you're having the greatest day ever and then you look up and your body just goes oh no and you just start to unravel and fall apart and you hope you have just the right fuel in that moment to kind of carry you through so that you can kind of finish for that day all right well Liz thanks so much for taking a few minutes to chat with us and I will look forward to seeing you at the finish line tomorrow sounds good take care Okay, I am at the finish line, and I have Tiffany Cromwell, who just won the 100 miles. Congratulations, Tiffany. Yeah, thanks very much. It came as a slight surprise because at my feed station, the team said I was second on the road, so yeah, I thought I was still second. Okay, we've been hearing all day about the conditions were not what people expected. They thought it was going to be dry and fast. It was not. Tell us what it was like out there. Well, it was great except for that midsection, that mud section, sorry. It, that was really something else. I've never ridden conditions like that, and... Yeah, you physically couldn't move your bike, even like to roll it because of the mud was so thick and you just, it was horrible. You know, I think like, a lot of us were talking, it was like one hour of walking or something and I was like, I didn't sign up to walk, but <laughs> we got through, got the bike moving again and then yeah, then it was, at that point I had no idea where I was with the other women, so I was just like, all right, okay, let's just try to push on and hope for the best. This is a big week for you, right? You go from here to Finland for a little event that you've got going on over there. How excited are you about that? Yeah, super excited, you know, like it's been a long, well we've been working on this event for more than a year and yeah, when it's your own event it's exciting and yeah, it's coming together really well. We have a good amount of people, with like 750 starters for the first year and yeah, I'm excited. You know, the course is super fun, like we've ridden it a few times, well I've ridden only the shorter one but you know, it's, it's beautiful there and I think anybody who comes is going to really enjoy it. Are they going to see mud like here? No. <laughs> Hopefully not. Like we rode it just after the snow was starting to melt and yeah, it was still it was sludgy but it was fine. But and now it's been pretty good conditions so I think everything should be dried out. Awesome. Well we can't wait to follow that race and congratulations on your race today. Yeah, thanks so much. But the last twenty five miles or so were there were so many women. I came up on a group of three women working together, no men and we just started um, rotating really well and all of us remarked like, this never happens. This is really inspiring. Um, it's really cool to work with four strong women and then uh, broke off with an, one of those women and she was just really awesome and she just said she didn't have a lot for the end but she's like, let me just pull you in and then she just let me go. So a lot of like really cool, great people. The epitome of what is good about gravel. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. 
This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.